This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, with hosts Jesse Dollamore and Brittany Page, a podcast dedicated to free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, but most importantly, a good time. December 3rd, 2014. Episode 78 of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me is my lovely co-host, Brittany Page. That's me. Same thing every single time. Is that what I say? No, no. Well, oh, that I, that might be what you say. I'm just, it's like a, a natural... I don't even, it's a, ch- I could just like pre-record the fucking thing. Yeah, that would be helpful. <laughs> it takes the spontaneity out of it if I trip over my words or fumble fuck something, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so here we are. Like I said, episode 78, we are moving along toward the end of the year and well on our way to 100 episodes. We still would like some people to chime in and give us some ideas for a 100th episode. We want to make it a good one. We don't know if we're going to do listener submissions like we did for the Thanksgiving episode or whatever, but we, we definitely want to make it special and, and good. How's that for quality, craftsmanship, and drawing of words from my deep well of a vocabulary? Well, it would be helpful if they were good. So <laughs> that makes sense. Right. So I don't have a great subject for the intro topic, but I do want to address something that is bothering me. And it's not of great consequence, but it still bothers me nonetheless. Today when I was in the bathroom, and I won't say... What were you doing in the bathroom? I'm not going to say which. I may, Maybe I was just washing my hands. Okay. And then after I got done washing my hands, it kind of had an odor in there, so I needed to spray mm. what we lovingly refer to as shit spray. Mm, so you had a tum time. That's what you say. I, my tum felt fine. Oh, okay. It felt even better after I got out of it. <laughs> I bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> From the hand washing. Mm. So anyway, we have an air freshener. I guess that's the more common vernacular. Nah. <laughs> we, we have an air freshener, and when it runs out, we get a new flavor or scent, all our goofy words we use. Mm-hmm. And ours now is, you know, fresh linens or some shit like that, and... It bothers me because now that we've used it as quote-unquote shit spray to cover up the acrid odor of poop, Mm -hmm. it can't be used as an air freshener like in the main room, in the main living room before like company comes over or something because it'll always remind me of a poopy bathroom. No. Yes. I'm telling you that there are times I'll spray it just to freshen it up. Even ha- after having not washed my hands. Had a tum time. Pooped my pants. <laughs> and I will be reminded of the fact that it's going to smell. It's I'm not a fan of that smell anymore. Okay, well, you're weird because I sprayed it the other day out in the room and out in the main room because we had people coming over and there was a terrible smell in the kitchen. And I actually... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> There wasn't a terrible poop smell in the kitchen. You can't leave that hanging like that. There was a terrible trash smell. I sprayed it in the trash cans. Oh, okay, okay. 
and it smelled fine. And I was actually surprised. And I thought, wow, this is what it smells like when it's not mixed with shit. <laughs> and it was actually nice. I wow. Yeah. Well, listen. A whole different smell it the, had. We are different. Apparently, uh, my, my olfactory senses are tied directly to my brain. More, more directly to my brain than yours are because I can't disconnect the memory of it smelling like poop. Okay, well, now the next time I smell it mixed with poop, I'm probably going to gag even more because I'm expecting it to not be mixed with poop and then it will be. Well, see, I, listen, I, I'm even when I was growing up and people used to always have like little packs of matches or whatever on the back of their toilet, that wouldn't, I don't think that takes away that, that just smells like. Poop mixed with a freshly burnt match. I think it helps more than anything else. Yeah. Well, are, well are we going to have an arson kit on the back of the toilet? Is that the plan? <laughs> no, we're sticking with the shit spray. <laughs> and everybody's going to like it. Uh, I guess so. Except for me, because it makes me gag. Oh, <laughs> well, that's all right. Good. We'll, we'll have to see. Maybe we'll report back to the audience and let them know just how... Our, our our transition or growth goes relative to our understanding and interpretation of air fresheners. I'm sure the listeners have some sort of name that they call their own freshener in the bathroom. Freshener of air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you do, sound off. We would love to hear about your personal shit spray. Six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. That is the number. Or Email us, I doubt it at dollamore.com, or of course, there is always the ever favorited Facebook page for the podcast. I cannot wait to get those shit spray messages. <laughs> so, last time on the show, we talked about a young lady in Australia, I think Brisbane, um, named Alana Pierce, who is a video game reviewer. I didn't know that was a thing, but apparently that is a big deal. I actually did a little research and looked on YouTube, and holy shit, there is a cottage industry of people who just deal with video games. They just like just play video games on YouTube. That's all they do, and it's they make pretty awesome. millions of dollars. So it's a big deal, and there's a lot of people who are super into it. And to refresh the audience's memory, we talked about the fact that she has been receiving rape threats from young boys. I'm hoping it's just boys and not into the people who are men, but receiving rape threats. And she has dealt with it in a very unique manner by contacting their mothers. <laughs> well, as promised, joining us here on I Doubt It With Dollamore is Alana Pierce, all the way from Brisbane. Hello. How are you this morning for us and evening for you yeah 10 p.m I'm, I'm good how are you guys doing very well tired <laughs> i'm so sorry <laughs> we we have talked about on the show before how i am i'm a morning person i'm an evening person it's, as soon as i'm up i'm up and it's not that way for Brittany. and it is 4 a.m right now <laughs> yeah, I <envy> that. <laughs> she uh she is she's struggling right now. i still have a little bit of an attitude problem right now <laughs> Well, Get that's... me up before 9 a.m. and I'll be angry. Yeah. <laughs> me too. See? She gets it. So, so to, to start us off here, Alana, um, what exactly do you do? I mean, you're, you're a video game reviewer. Tell us a little bit about that. 
so I guess the basic process is that publishers, who are the people who release the video games, uh, send me a video game, I play it and finish it, and then I'll write up a review, and I film my reviews for a digital TV show called Button Bash, but I also work on national radio in Australia, so literally my day job is playing video games and being critical of them and then telling other people what I think, and you're right, it is pretty crazy. That's awesome. And apparently yeah, this right. this doesn't sit well with young boys. Is that kind of what happens? How do these rape threats come about? Oh, it's so hard to rationalize something so ridiculous. Um, I, I think a lot of it is just that people online are jerks and they just want to get a reaction out of you. I'm, I'm not sure if it's directly related to video games, but I think any woman in a very male-dominated industry is likely to be opened up to a lot of sexual harassment and rape threats, but there's certainly no context. They come completely out of the blue, and I have no idea why. So, and we're certainly, we most certainly not trying to rationalize or understand, like, there, no, that's th fine. there's obviously not a reason that they're doing it, but I just want to get my, wrap my brain around. So, let's say you, you review Video Game Z. Let's, mm -hmm. let's say, I don't know any video. Let's oh, say, come on. let's say, uh, yeah, Pokemon. The latest Pokemon game. That's uh, a good one. Is that, that really a thing? Yeah, apparently. <laughs> she uh, knows. Okay. She's the expert. All right. <laughs> I'm really showing my, my ignorance here. Um, let's, let's say the new Call of Duty, the new Modern Warfare okay. kind of game. And yep. you give it a, a six, six out of ten. You, then you get a, you get a, a, a Facebook message from a little, a little shitty kid threatening to rape you because he disagrees with your review. Yeah, that could happen. Yeah, uh, how many times has this happened? Uh, if you ask me to count the amount of rape threats that I've gotten, I think it'd be in the thousands. Holy but it shit. is actually probably only like 1% of the comments I receive. Most people are really, really supportive, despite, you know, gamers getting really angry if they disagree with me. Most of them won't resort to rape threats. I think I kind of saw in one of your recent posts, too, have the rape threats been going up now that this has been in the media that you are responding yeah. in this way? Dramatically. I've gotten probably a thousand in the past two days alone. Just, I just think that's people trying to jump on sure. to something that's public now just to be involved because they want to get a kick out of it or whatever. But it's I had to turn off messages on my Facebook profile because I was just getting so many. It's, it's such a strange way to be a troll. It's so pointless. Well, it's, <laughs> it's just the most pointless thing. Like, why? It, it is strange to me. I have a YouTube channel that doesn't nearly have the action that you get on yours. And I'm, you know, a, a giant ginger. Yeah, no one cares. <laughs> I'm a giant you. monkey, so I, I'm not going to get it, it, it. No one's threatening to rape me. Do you get a lot of uh, angry comments? Though? Yeah, well, my channel also deals with, with like, atheism primarily, so... Right, so controversial. Yeah, yeah, yesterday I got a comment about I was a redhead, cockhead. <laughs> it's very, just, there's weird, no one wants to have an intellectual discussion about the merits of any argument on YouTube, yes. especially. Yes. So, so and this is why I contacted mothers. Yeah, well, that's, that was my next question was, yeah. obviously you're um, going to get decent response the the, the 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 screen grab of one that we saw was great she seemed to be very responsive what what has been the fallout or the outcome from any of that have you gotten any feedback after they dealt with their shitty little kid <laughs> uh, yes I have actually she, she said that she has contacted other parents involved because apparently there was one other boy with her son when I was sent that so 
it would have been some kind of ridiculous pack mentality. Oh, wow. Um, and she's also spoken to the school that he goes to in order to encourage parents to, I guess, actually look at what their kids are doing online and force them to take responsibility for abusing random women on the internet, which is exactly what I wanted to come from this. I feel like this is the most productive solution that could have happened to me really wanting to get back at a kid who was trolling me, but also wanting to force him to have real world consequences for something that he said online that he, he didn't think through, I guess. I'm, he didn't think I, I am absolutely on board with that. We, we talk about it a lot on the show that um, I think people need to be held to account for the things yeah. that they say online that they think, well, it's just going to go out to the to the ether and no one's going to see it or it doesn't really have any effect. And it does. Yeah. And it, it just annoys me so much that Facebook and Twitter and YouTube specifically don't take this stuff seriously. I feel like if they could ban IP addresses for a week, can you imagine how much the harassment would drop? Right. Like yeah. if, if, you know, if you got banned from Facebook for a week from your entire IP and it affected your entire family. That stuff's not going to continue, but they just completely ignore it, and, and that really sucks. I don't think it's worth taking harassment to law enforcement when a lot of them are minors, a lot of them are international, and it would be exhausting to write a police report every single time this happens to me, but yeah. I would really, really love to see the social media websites themselves take it seriously. So I'm assuming because you, you do have you know tens of thousands of, of subscribers to your YouTube channel, I'm assuming you have a global audience what has this been primarily an Australian thing, or is it as I predict that it's probably worldwide rape threats? Very, that you're very American. Oh, really? God damn Most it! Most of them are American. <laughs> yeah. What a bunch uh, of turds. Oh, I know Americans, right? No, <laughs> uh, most of them have been American. There was one, uh, one boy from England as well. I actually haven't gotten any from Australia that I've actually recorded. Like none that I've, I've looked at that have been. From Australia, but I, I'm sure I really want to get to the bottom of this and understand what you know. I'm 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 a little older than you, um, so I grew up in a time with no internet as a as a as a young young kid. And what did you do? Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we skipped rocks in, into the lake. It was very fun. So, but a kid growing up now who has access to the internet and all of the advantages that 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 involves. It's a, a weird thing how a trend like this can take off literally overnight. And I don't think that, well, one, I we talked about it on last show that what the fuck are these parents doing not monitoring their kids' activity online because I don't know how it is in Australia, but here in America, very frequently we hear stories about little girls hanging themselves in their closets because they've been harassed to no end online. And I really think that there's a responsibility needs to be taken by the parents to curb this as well. Well, and it's also weird that rape threats have become a thing. Like, I, I, I don't know where this came from. Like, when did it become okay to say something like that to someone? Yeah, when, did it, when did it start for you? Um, started pretty much as soon as I started reviewing games, which was about three years ago. So that was just when I became vaguely in the public eye, and it started almost immediately. Um, regarding parents, I think it probably is what you've touched on here, where these adults didn't grow up with, with social media, so they don't realize that the internet is kind of raising their kids. They're so wow. engrossed in this culture that they wouldn't have been beforehand that they access the internet every day. They see stuff that, that their parents wouldn't have ever. Yeah. So I think it's really, really shaped the way that they see other people and the things that they think that they can get away with because, you know, they've grown up with, with this 
honestly a culture that just makes it so easy to harass people. Well, I think that also instant and easy access to pornography probably has something to do with it, too, because it hypersexualizes yeah. women and... It, it, we are, you know, I'm, I, I, we haven't talked about this on the show. It's a topic we need to address, but the, that that specific hypersexualization of women so early is a thing that we are. This next generation of men coming up, they're going to be fucked up. I mean, they're they're going to need hours upon hours of therapy to rewire what they think is natural, normal relations sexually between a man and a woman, and, and a lot of advice. Yes. They're just be like, no, no, that's, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that's not how that works. So, so do, do you think that, you know, I, I mean, what are the kind of the age ranges of these kids? Let's get to the bottom of that. Yeah, 10 to 15, sometimes younger. So. Oh, my gosh, younger than 10. But, wow. Well, but let's, let's look yeah. at this, though. Because they are kind of exposed to sex, and I'm not making excuses for them. I'm just trying to understand what goes on in their little pea brain. The, they're not intellectually mature. They're, they don't understand shit. They're not, they're clearly not deep thinkers. So yes. do you think that, and this doesn't take away from the serious of, seriousness of what they've done, do you think that it's possible that they, in their minds, they're thinking, oh, I want to get back at her, I'm angry, or I want to be a troll. What's the worst thing that I can say to her? And then oh, totally. that's what they come that's... up with is rape. Yeah, they just want a reaction. I, I genuinely, genuinely don't think that they actually mean it. I don't, I don't think any of these young boys actually want to rape me. Most of them probably haven't even had sex. They have no idea what they're talking about. I just right. think that they, they want to provoke me. And it's funny, actually, the youngest boy that I've seen was seven. And he oh, left man. a comment on my Instagram just saying, show me your tits. And I was like, do, do you even want to see that? Like, are you, I, I wonder if maybe you're just a seven-year-old boy who thinks that that is how grown-ups talk to women and, and you want to just jump on that and, and seem like you're all mature and manly and sexual without realizing what you're saying? Like, I thought that that could be a factor is that they just want to seem like they're these right. grown-up adults who are all cool and objectify women without actually realizing you know, that that doesn't really happen. When I was seven, I was doing the aforementioned activity of skipping rocks into the lake, so <laughs> I, I, had no, I had no interest in anyone's anyone's tits <laughs> well it's interesting to get I that bar i barely do now <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting to get that perspective because when we hear this we feel so enraged and we think who are these kids what are they doing but then when you frame it like that i kind of feel bad for them and i kind of wish they have an intervention where someone can say listen you can't speak like that let's intervene here you need help and well here's the important thing i mean we're facing we're facing um a crossroads here, especially with these young boys. This can be an innocuous thing if we catch it and deal with it. And I think what you're doing, Alana, is yeoman's work. I think that it's awesome. You're catching, you're getting it, uh, alerting their parents, letting the kid know it's unacceptable behavior. Because if it just goes unchecked, they're going to go into young manhood and then manhood believing it's okay to level threats of rape and it it becomes they desensitized to the entire proposition and yeah, that's dangerous kind of that if they grow up and continue doing that that they're going to end up getting punched in the face by someone's boyfriend or someone's dad or something like that like yes it's if, even if you're, you're saying horrible things to women and you think it's okay that's bad but i feel like you know people who walk around saying that kind of stuff are probably going to get some kind of repercussions for it. It's it's not okay. Um, but but yeah, like I absolutely believe. Like I used to believe that they were grown men, and I was so depressed. But when I realized that they were young boys, it was 
uh, a kind of relief for me. I was like, thank God, they probably have no idea what they're saying. They're probably trying to impress people, trying to get a laugh, being like, look what I said to this girl. And I found that re really relieving um, that they have no idea what they're saying, that they're way too young to deal with this kind of stuff, and that hopefully there can be a resolution and hopefully parents can take control of that and maybe just monitor what their kids do online. Well, it's you, not that hard. You, you've certainly done the right thing, and we... Uh... We're happy about it. We were, <laughs> we jumped Thank on the you. story. We jumped on the story. I don't know who ran it, Up Rocks or somebody, but we were, uh, we were stoked to see that it was going on. So, yeah, I'm, I'm amazed by how much it's been um, shared. I definitely wasn't expecting that, but I've gotten heaps of support for it, and I've had other people just today who've received similar things online tag me in it and show me that they've done the same thing, which is just amazing. I'm so happy that this has happened. Yeah, you're, you're. It's a groundswell of. You know, they say that imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. If people <laughs> are to imitate this one thing that you do, your life will have been of great measure. <laughs> I Worth mean, it. seriously. Worth it. <laughs> well, is there, yeah. it, b before we let you go, is there anything you'd like to promote? You got anything going on? Because believe it or not, we actually, our humble little show here, we have Australian listeners, even though we don't Ooh. really deal with Australia issues. Should I say hi, mom? Yeah, yeah. Totally mom, right? <laughs> um, no, look, throughout this whole thing, I've been trying really, really hard to avoid promoting anything because people think that that's why I shared this tweet, like I knew it was going to go viral somehow. Yeah, right. Um, I, ha I had no idea, but no, I'm, I'm totally cool with that. Yeah. Just well, like, like there's a... I get to chat to new people. Listen, if there was a formula for something going viral... I would be world fucking famous right now because I would have I done feel like it. I like a lot of marketing companies would have done it by now. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. awesome. Listen, we we appreciate it. Well, I'll put uh, a link to your to your YouTube channel in the show notes. Not a sure. not a plug, but just uh, to, to people to find you and kind of know who you are. Well, thanks for joining us, Alana. We appreciate you and what you're doing and taking the time to to join us and our audience. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure. Well, that was uh, that was good. She is. This is going to sound weird, but she's um, very normal, right? Y you always expect someone who's very steeped into a certain genre or kind of a nerd kind of a thing. She, that's a nerdy thing to be into video games, and I don't mean nerdy as a pejorative or disparaging. It's you know, it's it's nerd stuff. She's she's nerdy about that, and I always expect them to be. Kind of maladjusted, you know. Ah, I'm down in my parents' basement talking about the, the video games. Wow! I always expect that kind of a character, and she was totally normal. Had awesome insights. I just, I'm impressed. It was good. Yeah, I was impressed too. If you have any feedback, six five seven four six four seventy six zero nine. We would love to hear from you on this. This is obviously a contentious topic for some, and um. We'd love to hear from you. I, I'm uh, all ears because uh, I think we have a little different perspective than many, um, especially about the rape culture thing and all that. Obviously, I don't believe that that's a thing, um, just as I don't think it's there's a, a, a theft culture and we have a lot of theft. <laughs> right. I thought she also brought up or maybe it was you that made the interesting point about the effects of porn and those kinds of things. Yeah. And I, I do think that was an interesting point that I guess I hadn't thought of that these kids are on Instagram and they see all these women that post 
you know, uh, pictures, naked photos. Yeah. And, and so they get this attitude where they can just talk to women like that because women are posting pictures like that, I guess. Well, and it's, it's also I mean, I, that's certainly, I believe, a problem. But it, it's also it, it is the advent of technology that has done this, because when I was a kid, you didn't have instant access to video pornography. You counted yourself lucky if you found a Playboy magazine. I mean, it was you didn't. It wasn't readily, instantly available right. to little kids. Right. And I wasn't saying that the comments that the kids make about rape are warranted because girls oh, post... Not, right. I'm saying the one kid specifically that commented and said, show me your your tits. Right. <laughs> it feels so weird saying that. Um, That probably he he probably felt like he could make that comment because he's seen so many women posting pictures sure. like that and being revealing. Well, it becomes and... more commonplace to to make comments. And and there are women that are on Twitter. I've seen women's Twitters that they almost encourage that from men yeah. and like talk dirty with men and, and that kind of stuff because there are, are those women that like will chat with you or whatever, that all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm not really into that world, so that's why I'm not able to talk about it very Come fluidly. Come on, Brittany. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I have an alternative profile. <laughs> I talk to him about stats. Right. <laughs> super, super sexy stats. Mm. <laughs> Wait a minute. What are you basing your opinion on? Evidence or just your feelings there, guy? Right. So we're going to go from me talking about how I don't believe there is actually a rape culture to rumored, alleged, serial rapist Bill Cosby. Doing follow-up. Um, we have good follow-up this time, yeah, though. Yeah, tons of good follow-up. It's Not tons. I don't want everybody to click off their fucking radios uh, worldwide right now, especially Burnt Reynolds. But It will have a 30 Rock clip included, which there is fun. There will be a clip of the television program 30 Rock at the end of this. So hold your breath. Um, there's a lawsuit. A Southern California woman has sued Bill Cosby, claiming that the comedian molested her around 1974 when she was 15 years old. Judith Huth, or Huth, claims in the sexual battery lawsuit filed Tuesday in Los Angeles that the molestation occurred in a bedroom of the Playboy Mansion. Which is, when I first read this, it freaked me out, because what in the fuck is a 15-year-old girl doing in the Playboy Mansion? And I thought, well, how is Bill Cosby supposed to know... That she's 15 if she's already at the mansion. And then when I read a little further, he brought her there. Yeah, she and a friend first met Cosby at a Los Angeles area film shoot. And then the comedian gave them drinks a week later at a tennis club. So they had kind of been socializing. Right. And the lawsuit states that Cosby took them to the Playboy Mansion after several drinks. And then Cosby, as she claims, forced her to perform a sex act on him with his hand. Yeah, that's par for the course. That's the we've heard this several times. Yeah, I've been reading all kinds of gross stuff that I don't like. He's also gross. The woman claims that she suffered severe emotional distress and that she discovered its impact on her within the past three years, which allows her to file the lawsuit under California law. So that's nice. Oh, that is nice. Because the statute of limitations obviously prevents rapists and child molesters from being charged a certain amount of time after the crime has occurred. But apparently in California, many terrible things about California, apparently one positive here, right? where if you just discovered the impact that the trauma had on you recently, then you can file the lawsuit. That for sure 
is kudos to the state legislature for putting that kind of a, that loophole into the law, into the sentencing law or the uh, the the statute of limitations, because it allows people to be able to charge or sue for. It's going to be a civil case, not criminal, right? But still, something. She's just realizing the damage that was done, which is common. Yeah, it is very common for abuse and trauma sufferers, right? To to not you know they they repress it or they don't address it right and then once she starts going to therapy I'm just speculating here but once she starts going to therapy or whatever and delving deep into what has caused the issues in her life she starts realizing holy shit it was probably that that happened back then right so that's that's awesome right so people might hear that and laugh it off and think it's just someone trying to get money which it might be but at the same time. What you just said is very valid and true. Well, the, the, the thing is, is that the count is up to 17 now. Right. And it's 17 all 17 women that he has allegedly raped. It's throughout many decades. It's and it's the same consistent kind of things. Giving yes. drinks, putting things in drinks and then gross things happening. Right. Well, and it's not all women. Well, it's all women who have been accusing him of rape. But now we have corroboration from a male friend of one of these victims, these alleged victims, who says he was getting messages or phone calls from one of the, the, the alleged victims, and he raced to her aid and was pounding on the door of Bill Cosby, trying to get him to answer the door so he could rescue the friend. Right. She's identified as Jane Doe number eight in the sexual assault lawsuit that was filed against Bill Cosby. And his name is Tony Hogue. And he tells a story to the Daily Beast of when he received a phone call from her and she was crying. She was hysterical. She was whispering. And apparently she said, you know, I need you to come get me. And he said, what are you talking about? I thought you were with Bill Cosby. And she said, I've been in this room. I think I'm on the second floor and I've been here for a long time. I don't think I'm even in my own clothes. I'm almost numb. I can't stand up. I can't see straight. My clothes are disheveled. And she just said, I need you to come get me. You need to come get me. You need to help me. And so he did. And he tells the story of banging on Bill Cosby's door at his brownstone in New York City Mm -hmm. and just banging loudly, yelling his name, yelling her name. And Bill Cosby just answered the door calmly, apparently, and said, what's the problem? Ugh. (laughs) What a what a fucking douche. It, it, It amazes me. That he's gone this far, having not had his head kicked straight the fuck in. That someone hasn't stomped a mud hole straight in his chest as a result of his predatory, alleged predatory behavior. Yikes. So yeah, so this is this is interesting because this is a male coming forward now saying he received this phone call from this woman. No, he has nothing to gain. Yeah, the woman in the lawsuit and telling this horrible story and she was just a witness in the lawsuit it wasn't a lawsuit she brought against bill cosby she was one of the anonymous uh witnesses right jane doe eight yeah yeah so it's just uh what bothers me so much about it is the fact that this has been going on since the 60s since before i was born this has been going on and apparently some people have known about it, which leads us to the talk about the 30 Rock clip. Apparently, it's it's a secret that has been known in the community of comedians and comics because 
They made a joke about it several seasons. I think that's season three. 2009. 2009, this scene happened in an episode of 30 Rock. Hey, you needed me? Lemon, you know Rick from accounting? I don't. Hi. Hi, nice to meet you. I've arranged for one of Tracy's childhood idols to reach out to him. Hello? Tracy, this is Jack. I have someone here who wants to speak with you. Tracy, this is Bill Cosby. Really? This is your strategy. All right, I'll do this at a party. I want you to come back to the TGS for the people who like the jokes and the things. Bill Cosby, you got a lot of nerve getting on the phone with me after what you did to my Aunt Paulette. I think you're confusing me with someone else. 1971, Cincinnati. She was a cocktail waitress with the droopy eye. I'm the guy with the pudding. You try to tell me what to do? Dr. Heathcliff Huxtable with your light-ass kid. Jack, why would you make me talk to this man? Uh, Tracy, don't hang up. Uh, yeah, Tracy, this is Billy D. Williams. I just want to say I love your work. It's very smooth. <laughs> First of all, I miss that show so much. Yeah, I, and also it's a bummer because Tracy Jordan is... Tracy Morgan. Tracy Morgan. Who's Tracy Jordan on the show? Yeah, Tracy Morgan is the comedian who plays Tracy Jordan on the show, and he's suffering possible brain damage, and he might not ever be the same because of the, the car accident that happened that he was involved in when a Walmart semi-trailer smashed into his party bus that he was traveling from one casino to home or whatever. Right. Anyway, so our thoughts go out to him, but this all just goes to show that for some reason in the in the comedian community... They've known about this because this was a scene that they're, you know. Yeah, and for those of you that didn't think it was very clear, at one point, Tracy Jordan, Tracy Morgan, says, Bill Cosby, you got a lot of nerve getting on the phone with me after what you did to my Aunt Paulette. So, you know, alluding to something right. bad happening there. But what's interesting is that Hannibal Buress was a former writer on 30 Rock. Yeah. And he was the comedian that kind of started this big controversy by making jokes about him being a rapist in his act. The stand-up act in Philly that we played. Right, yeah. right. Well, but but we don't know if he was writing during this season, though. We right, it just kind of goes to show that there are people in the community, apparently, that know about the rumors about Bill Cosby yeah, awesome. being a rapist. It's awesome. Well, it's being it, written about in shows, it's being in comedy acts, it's... At least they're trying, little by little, to make it known. I mean, it did take Hannibal Burris to, to really uh, push the cart over the cliff, but... We're Usually here it now. Is. There, there's no going back. Usually it is comedians that yeah. do that. Yeah. Affecting sh social change, which is good. So we talk about statistics on this show a lot. We talk about Nate Silver specifically quite a bit and his website 538.com, which is all written out in words, 538.com. And they just recently did, uh, they, they, they compile already previously gathered data and they, they statistically analyze it. And they're fucking awesome. Nate Silver is, he's a genius. And they posted an article that, that was titled, Allegations of Police Misconduct Rarely Result in Charges. Right, so they talked about a couple of interesting things. One is that there isn't really many databases for tracking um, allegations against police officers yeah. and kind of following up what happens with them. And they only really have like two databases to go off of two studies. Mm -hmm. And one of the more interesting ones that they talked about is 
what per- what percentage of criminal defendants are convicted and incarcerated in the general population versus law enforcement. Oh, yeah. So from this database, from April 2009 through the end of 2010, there were 8,300 misconduct accusations involving almost 11,000 officers. And that resulted in only 3,238 legal actions. Proceedings. Yeah, legal proceedings taking place. So they compared the general population with law enforcement in this bar graph. And it is felony defendants in the general population 2006 versus law enforcement officers accused of misconduct from 2009 to 2010. So they're comparing one year to two years. And it is still insanely low for law enforcement so for the general population convicted 58 percent incarcerated 48 percent wow for law enforcement convicted 33 percent incarcerated 12 percent wow you know i wonder if it has to do somewhat with the fact that the system the state wherever the the the, the, the municipality they don't want the confidence in in the the police department and that 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 kind of a system to to degrade so they whether it be instinctively or whether it be overtly the fix is in because clearly we've seen it here that you know here in in southern california right here in our home orange county there was a case a couple years ago about a homeless schizophrenic man named Kelly Thomas who was beaten to death by several cops. It was all on tape. They were beating him with flashlight. I mean, they beat they beat him bloody. They, they fucking just... It was brutal and terrible. It's like a 15-minute video, I think. Right. Or if, maybe 20 minutes. If you'd like to see it, it is very difficult to watch. Just Google or, or YouTube... Kelly Thomas beating. And it really, it's all on video. He's begging them to stop. He's he's begging and crying and... Calling and, out for his daddy. I mean, it's And he's terrible. a grown man. Right. And he's asking for his parents. So what happened in this case is two of the officers, they were indicted. Right. Thankfully, they were indicted. They got their day in court and they were acquitted. Right. I have no idea how they were acquitted, but it's it, it happened. It's terrible. But we're seeing that. Now we're in the midst of that happening right now with with the Darren Wilson with the Michael Brown case. The grand jury met and they said not enough evidence to bring him just to bring him to court so he can get his day in court, which when you get your day in court, we're seeing now through the 538 data. Overwhelmingly, they don't get convicted. Right. Overwhelmingly. Right. Just today. The grand jury came back with their verdict on the Eric Garner case in Staten Island, New York, and the same thing happened. That's another case just like the Kelly Thomas case that was on video. The entire thing is on video. Right. It's a black guy sitting out front of a beauty salon selling what are called Lucy's. They're single cigarettes. and Cigarettes, not weed. Yeah, tobacco cigarettes. Right. The cops approach him. There's and there's there's uh their words are exchanged. They go to arrest him. He resists, and he is killed because they choke him to death. Yeah, he is he is choked with with a with a chokehold that is against policy. 
I keep hearing the word illegal. I think that's incorrect. I don't think it's illegal, but it's against the, the rules and regulations of the police force of the NYPD. And it has been for like 30 years or so. Like right. a long time. Right. Probably for this reason. So they tackled him to the ground. He's a heavy guy. He's a he's a fat guy. And he he can't breathe. And it, they collapse his windpipe. And they, they, they effectively murder him. He dies. The medical examiner rules it a homicide. It goes to the grand jury, which is apparently a special grand jury with like 23 members. And he's not indicted. He doesn't get indicted to go to to face a jury trial and get his day in court. Right. So he's he's off the hook. Now, as we speak right now, they are protesting in the streets of New York City. Right. They're doing it quite a bit differently than they did it in Ferguson. There haven't been any fires. Not so far. And it's 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 an awesome thing to see because one I don't think that this one is racially motivated. I just think it's a power-hungry, dick-face cop. Right. Well, almost like with the Kelly Thomas situation that you just talked about. Right. Where they beat him to death. It's it's a power thing. Right. They're, they're power-hungry. Listen, I'm not going to label all cops as what I'm getting ready to say, but I know a lot of cops who fit this particular description. And this might be anecdotal, but yeah, fuck it. This is anecdotal. In my experience... A lot of cops are guys who couldn't hack it in the military. And they're not dumb enough to be relegated to a prison guard job. So they get to be a cop. They already have low self-esteem because they want to be military and they can't hack it. So they just go and be a cop. And then they trample on the rights of ordinary citizens day after day after day. And that's a problem. I'm not saying that that's everybody. But God damn it, there are too many of the guy that I just described. Way too many. There needs to be a far more stringent psychological examination to get in. Well, and I just don't understand why people are... You used a chokehold you're not supposed to use. On Kelly Thomas, they beat him yeah. in the head right. with, with objects right. you can't do that your right. job is to restrain the person so tase them use use what you have and use right. it appropriately like you're supposed to and then there won't be a problem well in i'm not gonna we're not gonna rehash the kelly thomas thing but he did say these see these fists they're gonna fuck you up the cop said that to the to the guy and then right. yeah they fucked him up all right when they murdered him right And so what's interesting about that, I don't, I'm sorry to spend more time on it, but that shows like premeditation. Absolutely. So what the hell? I just don't understand what happened in that jury. Yeah, I I don't, I don't get it at all. And and then even with, with the Eric Garner case, when it, it doesn't matter if it's accidental. Right. He's saying he can't breathe. So you need to do something to make sure that he can breathe because he's going to die. Well, what kind of a message is it sending when he doesn't even face a, a, a jury trial when he he killed someone, so the police can ah sorry, I fucked up. I made a mistake and killed you. Sorry about that. Oops. Well, off the hook. You get a you get to live on another day and keep your job and be a police officer, continuing to make mistakes that take the lives of citizens. That's the thing. We have the video of it too, so it's not like the Darren Wilson situation where the other side of the story that person's dead. So we don't know what the side of the story is. 
the other side of the story is being told by the footage that was captured. Which which flies in the face right now. There is a, 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 a an outcry for video recorders to be carried on the person of, of cops oh, in the right. United States. Oh, right. I didn't think of this. And cops are saying, no, 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 we don't want that. We don't want that. Why wouldn't they want that? Right. It should protect them, too. It, it'll protect them because look, look what happened. We have it on third-party video fr- from a wide shot of what's going on to Eric Garner. We watch him be killed on the streets of New York City, and no one gets indicted. So... Body, you carrying a, a video camera on your person isn't going to lead to you being convicted. If anything, it's going to clear the air and let everybody know what happened. If if uh, dickface Darren Wilson had been wearing a, a body camera, we would know exactly what went on. We wouldn't be speculating about whether the man who just robbed a store tried to murder him inside his cop car. We wouldn't be asking those questions because we'd know. We'd have the footage. We'd be able to see it. Right. That's the answer here. We need to have video recording devices on every single officer across the country. Even if they won't necessarily lead to charges. Right. Well, what happened with with, uh, Jeremy Deere, another police officer we've talked about on this show from Albuquerque, New Mexico, whose video recording device... Oh, weird how it it malfunctioned every single time... There was a abuse of power allegation against him, like right. three separate times. Right, the time that he shot in the back and mur- and murdered and killed someone, it, ugh, it malfunctioned. Sorry, that's weird. Right, so it's not going to solve all problems. No, but it's but it'll be helpful. It's going to go a long way to solving them. Yes. Right. All right, we're, I'm going to get too fucking angry. We're going to let's stop there. We'll see what happens next show. We'll probably have something to say about it too because. The the protests and the demonstrations are unfolding as we speak, so we'll see. Another piece of follow-up. All this has kind of been follow-up. It's We, we cover a lot of stuff on the show. Uh, another piece of follow-up. Janae Rice, wife of Ray Rice, former Baltimore Raven running back, did an interview with Matt Lauer on the Today Show where she invoked the name of God and suggested that it was God's will that her husband beat her up because it would bring more attention. I mean, am I getting that right? Well, let's play it. I but feel like she's, there's a silver line. I mean, there's yes, a silver lining. So, there's so many messages But I feel here. like God chose me and Ray for a reason. He did. And it was definitely to bring awareness to um, what people are going yeah. through every day. Even though it's not what I'm going through every day, um, it's definitely brought, you know, this topic to the forefront. So I used to say something similar when I was a kid about abuse that I had suffered. And I realized recently that it was kind of, I don't know, selfish or rude for me to say that because you and used here, to say that God, God, like God had a plan for you. God had a plan for part me. Of the, right. It was a plan. Yeah, okay. um, and that there was a reason for it that, you know, all these things and Janae Rice saying that just makes me wonder, well, what was God's plan for the other domestic violence victims that have been killed and their life ends? Right. And then there's no, I mean, they're not a martyr for change because domestic violence keeps happening. There's so many women that are killed every day that we never hear about. So how are those deaths? What was the plan there? Well, I think it's an arrogant, it's an, well, one, it's, 
the, all they're trying to do is reframe this argument like she's not an actual abuse victim. I'm not like those other ladies who are constantly abused. This was a one-time deal, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And if, if that's true, wow, that's very miraculous. R- very. Well, they, they go. it goes on, and it, the whole argument can be just torn to shreds. But when I asked you about your daughter, you said to me, I did not raise a young lady to be an abused woman. Not at all. And if anybody knows her... She's not only that, she's very confident and she's very uh, forceful herself. Um, I wouldn't allow anybody to disrespect me. Never. (laughs) Especially a man I'm in a relationship with. No, she was taught better than that. I wouldn't allow anybody to disrespect me, especially a man that I was in a relationship with, except for that you did. Right. Except for you're still with the man who knocked you out. There was another part of the interview where she said that Ray Rice knows that he cannot do it again. Well, how did? Why didn't he know not to do it the one time? Well, he, do, he knew there was just one allotted time that he could do it. Well, also, or, how does he know he can't do it again? He got away with it. How does he know he can't do it again? Because you sternly, you better not do that again. What? What does that even mean? I don't know. It, it's interesting to me, and I know this is a common thing, and it's it's hard to understand why women do this, you know, and, and I, I really feel for Janae because I hope that she, I hope her relationship is healthier. I really do, but I just don't see how that could spontaneously occur without any kind of change. I mean, did they start therapy? Did they, what kind of interventions happened to ensure that he knows well, that, I- it, that he can't do it again? I- I don't th- listen by all, everything that we see. I don't think anything's happening. I think it's odd that the mom is there, sitting on the couch with her daughter, giving an interview to Matt Lauer about this. The entire thing is weird. That they're making excuses. That's all they're doing. Well, it's because Ray Rice is now okayed to play in the NFL again, right? But he's team shopping. He needs right. a team. He's they're shopping him. He's not shopping them. He's not going to play this season. Um, I, I think it's likely he'll be picked up. He's a little old. I think he's 27 or 28. So he's a little long in the tooth to be continuing on as a as a lead starting running back. Um, anyway, that's neither here nor there. The, the issue is, it, this is just goofy. Anyway, last clip, and then we're going to talk about it. You have a two-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you're going to have to sit Raven down and tell her this story. Yes. Uh, I don't think I'll ever be prepared until that moment. Um, but we're going to be honest with her, you know, we're going to tell her what happened, let her know things like this are not okay. It's not something that she should tolerate. So throughout the interview, she kept saying that she doesn't come from this, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Well, that, now it's a mantra. Well, now she has a daughter that comes from this. Right. Because her daughter is in a household where there was domestic violence. Maybe it's going to happen one time. Maybe it's going to happen multiple times. But now her daughter is going to be faced with a decision when she grows up. Is she going to choose someone like her mom did? Or is she going to choose someone different? And this is how these cycles start, these cycles of abuse. And so, Janae, I really hope that she has the wherewithal to know that and to know that she's influencing her daughter and the decisions that she's making are going to influence her kid. Does she really want her daughter to believe that she shouldn't tolerate this? Because she's going to look at her mom who is. Well, that's what I was going to say is that she's going to tell her daughter, it's not okay. Do not put up with this. It's not. A- well, 
it is okay because all she's going to, I hear what you're saying. You're telling me it's not okay, but clearly it is okay because you stayed. Because all this tape, it's not going to be like a normal person where the daughter hears the stories and like, yeah, yeah, I can't really, I can't really visualize it because I, you know, I wasn't there. This, this is on YouTube forever. The daughter will be able to Google Ray and Janae Rice and see exactly what went down. So for her to tell her daughter, this is something not to be tolerated, except when it happens to me, baby, except when it happens to me, that's a problem because she's sending ridiculously mixed signals. It is a problem. And the main thing is this continuation of the cycle of abuse. Janae Rice can say she didn't come from this. I have a hard time believing that. So do I. Because this happened to you and... You stayed. You're you're just going to move on from it without really knowing what Ray Rice has done to overcome it. That's what I mean. I can, I believe that these men can be rehabilitated. I do. But what has he done to attempt to be rehabilitated? How do you know that he won't have an explosive outburst again? What kind of interventions are occurring in Ray Rice's life to ensure that this won't happen again? These right. are important things to consider For before sure. saying what she's saying. Well, even by in, it's as evidenced by... The, the initial press conference that they had when they were still with the Ravens, when everybody was apologizing, even she apologized. What the fuck does she have to apologize for? Um, he apologized to the fans and to the team and didn't apologize to his wife right. on the dais. What the fuck? He's clearly not regretful. He's clearly not apologetic. Otherwise, he would have said, first and foremost, I want to apologize to my wife I had no right to put my hands on her. It was unacceptable. And if she stays with me, I am lucky because I am a terrible person for what I did. And I'm doing X, X, and X to ensure that I recover from this and that I deal with my anger, that I deal with my past issues because I'm sure that he comes from some sort of trauma in his childhood as well. Absolutely. So this leads us back to the first clip that we played with her where she talked about God... God, uh, choosing her and Ray for a reason. God chose Ray and me for a reason, or God chose me and Ray for a reason. And it's a very common thing in Christianity. For instance, I've got a clip here of Victoria Austin, who is Joel Austin. You know, he's he's a face with a bunch of teeth and squinty little eyes. He, he, he's the pastor of Lakewood Church. And he says lots of fluffy things that don't mean anything. Yeah, right. So she is on Huffington Post, and she's being in- interviewed by Mark Lamont Hill, who is a Columbia professor and political hack. He's a talking head. on. He was on Fox News. Now he's on CNN. Anyway, he's... I don't know why I'm disparaging him randomly, but... <laughs> uh, he's interviewing them, and he asked this question. And how often do you all pray? Well, we pray every day. We, we start our day in prayer. You know, together? We, no, we, we have our separate prayer times, our separate times that we read. We do pray together often. Yeah. But, you know, prayer is just, it just kind of opens a dialogue between you and God. And, and, you know, sometimes people say, well, you know, I have to get on my knees. I have to do it in a certain way. But really what God wants you to do is just give him your attention. Mm. And I believe when you do that at the first of the day, it not only sets the tone for your day, but you makes 
I, I literally have conversation with God during the day. I'm like, oh, God, you know, I mean, I know it's crazy, but even if I'm going to drop my kids off or I need to park somewhere, I'm like, okay, God, you know, I'm in this parking lot. You know, yeah, any place yeah. you can open up for me would be great. I mean, but I just have this relationship. I'm not dumb and down prayer. Yeah, you're not dumbing down prayer, but you're insulting all the starving children, all of the Janae Rices of the world that are being punched in the face by their yes. husbands. Um, you're praying for God to open up a parking space for you to make your life more convenient. Well, it's also, well there are people that can't eat. Yes. Why aren't you praying for those people? That's exactly what I was going to say. What they say, this is a weird thing that they do, is, well, why are there starving babies in the world? Whenever I ask that question, it's always met with, well, God doesn't... God doesn't control what we do and we have, we have free will and blah, 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 unless it deals with something like opening up a parking spot, you know? Right. It's, it's just this weird, it's convenient for them when they want it, that God intervenes. But then when it really matters, whether it be a starving child or thousands of, of physically abused women in domestic, domestic violence relationships, then ah no yeah God yeah that's not his thing he's he's only here for me when I lose my keys or when I need a fucking parking spot right it's arrogant so we're gonna stick with the <laughs> with the Christian theme and there is a pastor in Tempe Arizona named Stephen Anderson I don't know if you've heard of him but he is the embodiment of a nutter butter he is a hateful. It's it amazes me how much hate comes out of a man who claims to follow Jesus because the Jesus that is traditionally known is a man filled with love and grace and tolerance and turning the other cheek and unconditional love or agape love as they would talk about in Christian communities. And Pastor Anderson just recently went on a rant about homosexuality and... I've got kudos for him because I believe he really teaches what the Bible teaches, but he is, how do you say it? I mean, he's just, I tell you what, I'm going to play it and you decide. Because remember the title of the sermon, you know, they're filled with disease because of the judgment of God. Now, listen to these statistics, my friend. First of all, Approximately 1.6% of the U.S. population will identify themselves as a homo. And 0.7% are bi. Well, you know, that means nothing to me. They're all bi as far as I'm... I don't... Anybody who's a homo or bi, it's all the same category. Sodomite is what the Bible would call them. And what the Bible actually says... And by the way, turn to Leviticus 20.13 because I actually discovered the cure for AIDS. Okay? Now... This is the cure for AIDS, okay? And, you know, everybody's talking about, let's have an AIDS-free world by 2020, or let's have an AIDS-free... Look, we could have an AIDS-free world by Christmas. You know, or at least... Okay, it wouldn't be totally AIDS-free, but we'd be like 90-some percent AIDS-free by Christmas if we would follow this. Okay, here's what the Bible says, Leviticus 20:13. If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with the woman... Okay, it says, even both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. And that, my friend, is the cure for AIDS. It was right there in the Bible all along. 
So it's what's most sickening to me, I guess, in that clip is everyone laughing. Um, it just is like really gross. It Hateful. feels it feels really like slimy. I don't like hearing it. But another issue that I have with him is, would it be okay for him to say we could kill everybody with cancer? I mean, AIDS is an illness, and many straight people yeah, have it. Right. In fact. Lots and lots of straight people have it. Millions, millions. And so I don't I don't understand I don't understand his logic. Well, he's just a hateful, hateful piece of shit. He's talking about statistics, which well, is interesting. What's interesting about that is the fact that his statistics are wrong. One point six percent of of people claim to be gay or uh, associate or identify as gay. That that's wrong. I think it's between six and ten percent, and then the buy. I won't even talk about the buy number, but he's just he's he's trying to validate what he's saying with numbers, but he's fucking wrong. Right, and he's talking about statistics, and he obviously doesn't care about statistics and science right, about right. homosexuality and how it is inherent in people and in animals, and right. it's not a sin. Well, it's genetic. It's there are many, 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 many mammalian species who exhibit homosexual behavior, and it's yeah. I mean, I, when I said it's science says it's not a sin, I didn't mean oh, yeah, I didn't yeah. mean I that because mean. science can't uh, give any evidence for any right. kind of sin because it's baseless. It's not based on anything right. that's observable or quantifiable. So it's arbitrary. They would say it's objective. I would say it's arbitrary. Completely bullshit. Well, the one thing about that clip, though, is that at least he's actually being honest about what the Bible says. Because the Bible does say they are to be killed. It, that's what it says. Anyway, his sermon goes on, and he, uh, God, he's just, he's a weird, weird man. Filthy? I mean, isn't filthy just a superlative way of saying unclean? That's what he means when he says unclean gross you know he's just talking about just it's it's morally repulsive it's it, it's just physically repulsive it's just it's just repulsive across the board and we need to get a biblical view tonight of this subject and not be deceived by the world that we live in to tell us oh you know uh we just need to just be more loving and and everything's going to be fine and you know what that, that's funny because that's what everybody's doing and it's not working all the churches who are like, oh, let's just open our doors and just love everybody. Look, no queers allowed in this church. And all God's people said, Amen. there's no queer. <laughs> is that even legal? <laughs> Against such, there is no law. No homos will ever be allowed on this church as long as I'm the pastor here. Never! Wow. Talk, right? about, talk about a truth wiener, am I right? I, God damn it, you always steal my thunder. I have written right here, hashtag truth wiener, and then I want to talk about how my gaydar is off. The, I'm, listen, I might not have the most accurate gaydar in the world, but I think this guy, if you hooked him up to the cremostatic machine or whatever, I think he would register as a guy who gets turned on by gay porn. Right, and that's what we talk about when we say truth wiener for those who are new listeners or recent listeners. 
We've been talking about truth wieners since the beginning of the show, and the term got coined by Jesse when we talked about a study about homophobic men that were most aroused by gay porn. And it was a study where they actually put a device on the penis of individuals after they had filled out a questionnaire on their feelings of homosexuality, and those who were most apprehensive i guess about the gays or express the most negative attitudes that about one. gays the latter yeah they responded most with their penis to homosexual porn and i always say the wiener don't lie and it's a truth wiener so if we hook that guy up to the truth wiener machine i believe it would register movement <laughs> He just has a lot of energy and hatred. And what's weird to me is these are other human beings that he's right. talking about. Well, also, he's like, oh, the churches, the, the, the other churches are fucking it up by, oh, they're just loving everybody. Oh, how dare they? How dare they just love everyone? It's completely yeah. antithetical to what most people believe Jesus was about. Yeah. His, his yelling and banging on the podium scares me to death. Yeah. Well... What's weird is he's a little guy, and his he has a very effeminate timbre to his voice. So, I don't know. It seems a little weird to me. And then he finishes with something that is <laughs> so classically Christian. Um, I'm just a little surprised he didn't also bring in bestiality when he talks about all homosexuals are pedophiles. Now, let, let me just say it right now. And you can go ahead and just put this in your pipe and smoke it. All homos are pedophiles. There, I said it. They're all pedophiles. And look, would you allow... And you know what? We would have a better attitude toward homos if we just realized that they're pedophiles. Because just think, what would be your attitude toward pedophiles? That should be our attitude toward homos. I mean, think about it. Would you have pedophiles over for a family gathering? Would you invite pedophiles into the church? No. That's what they are. So this is, again, what I was talking about when he says that he was talking about statistics. Uh, what, what is he basing this on? He's right. basing this on a spontaneous thought that happened in his head or something that someone told him. This is not based on science. This is not based on research, because if he did look at research, he would find that there's absolutely no basis to that claim whatsoever. There's Zero. just not. Well, but you don't need basis for claims when you're a Christian. You just you can say things. And if it feels good, you go with it disturbing it's very disturbing especially since he's influencing all those people that are like yeah amen right, those laughing people, laughing about hating people what is wrong with those people that they have no ability to hear something and then think you know what this doesn't sound right maybe i should go look this up before accepting this as fact and adopting it as my own personal opinion then i'm now going to go out and tell other people or my children hopefully not but well, probably the chilling thing about this and we're going to move on is the fact that what they're saying, other than the, the, the pedophile stuff, I mean, that's not in the Bible, but what he's preaching about killing gays is in the Bible. The same God that is talked about in the Bible as being the same yesterday, today, and forever, he gave a death sentence to homosexuals. The same God that Christians worship today in Joel Austin's church, in Victoria Austin's church, and in, 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 in Stephen Anderson's church, all of these churches worship the same God that thought it was okay to murder homosexuals. So stick that in your pipe and smoke it, Stephen Anderson. We're going to wrap it up with this. I think this is hilarious, and it comes back to a story that, uh, <laughs> that just happened to Brittany and I on a flight. 
A woman brought a pig, an emotional support pig, on a plane, and things didn't... Well, things got a little shitty. <laughs> Literally. She's a 29-year-old woman, and she was escorted off a U.S. Airways flight after her, quote, emotional support pig started defecating on the floor and squealing uncontrollably like a pig would. Ugh. Now, this is an 80-pound pot-bellied pig. <laughs> when, I, when I first heard about the story, I thought that it was like just, you know, like a little a miniature pig. You know, like a little like a little Wilbur. Is it Wilbur? Is that the name of the... That'll um, do, pig. That sounds familiar. Yeah, like a little, like a little pink pig, or even like a little miniature potbelly pig. But it's a giant fucking pig. It is a giant fat pig. It's as big as a full size Labrador. And it is not a cute pink pig. It is a giant, fat, shitting pig. Yeah, it is. It's not a little cute little Miss Piggy pig. So anyway, the, they tried to clean. She was trying to clean up the the runny sh- pig shit from all over the floor. It just sounds like a terrible mess. It was a nightmare. So before the flight was able to take off, they removed the pig because it was a problem right off the bat. Oh. So I don't understand how this this was allowed. I mean, this is an 80-pound pot-bellied pig. I think she had it in a bag, like in a duffel bag or something. So she was trying to hide it? It seems to me that's the case. And there, then, we'll post this article because there's pictures of her carrying it out and it's on her shoulder and she's walking off the plane. Uh, this woman must get tremendous exercise from having to carry this pig around. <laughs> she has it on her shoulders. It's 80 pounds. Right. Well, there's no leash that can fit around its big fat pig neck. It is ugly too. It is so Listen, fat and ugly. <laughs> this happened to Brittany and I when we were flying out for, for um, were we flying back or were we flying to Spokane? We were flying... Oh, it was two, because it was an Orange County lady. Right, yes. Mm-hmm. So we're flying out of Orange County, out of John Wayne Airport, and a woman has her dog with a little service dog vest. He's a little like Jack Russell Terrier or something. And I didn't believe he was a service dog, because he was acting like a little shitty piece of shit shit dog. <laughs> is that a thing? Uh, apparently it is. <laughs> He was running around, sniffing everyone, jumping every, on everyone, acting like an asshole. She finally had to pick him up. He was just acting like a dog who's not a service dog would act. And she had a little, what looked like an official service dog vest. And, you know, I always hear stories about people who have dogs that can smell if they're getting ready to, or sense if they're getting ready to have a, a seizure or whatever. But those dogs are well-trained dogs. This dog was acting like an asshole, and they let her on the plane first to get her seat because she had a service dog with her. Well, and she was pecking, picking it up and petting it, and every time I've seen a service dog, they are... They're there to work. Yeah, they're on the ground. They're very still. They're not disrupting anything. Right. So I was just confused by it as well, thinking, well, I, how you know how likely is it that this is a service dog? I don't believe it was, and and then when we hear the, the the shitty pig story, it makes me believe even more that there is this weird thing going on where people are just independently assigning service animal monikers to their random pets, and apparently even eighty to ninety, almost one hundred pound pigs that are filled with stinky, runny pig shit that are squirting all over a plane. That's a problem. 
Yeah, so apparently she loves pigs because she also owns another pig, a smaller one. And apparently is she... It, is it not, not very emotionally supportive, though? <laughs> I, I don't know. And she says that she's an aspiring actress and model. Ugh. And she referred to her animal as a fat baby. And she loves it very much, apparently. Uh, people. They're the fucking worst. People are the worst. I will go on record as saying that. Yeah, people were saying that the <laughs> pig was screaming three times louder than a child. Well, pigs are... A, a pig squeal is... Wee, wee, wee! It's... Yeah, I, it's, uh, it's unnerving. So, anyway, stick that in your pipe and smoke it. That might be my new thing, by the way. Yeah, I don't like it. <laughs> Steven Anderson's... Pastor Steven Anderson's... Stick that in your pipe and smoke it, everybody. Yeah, I think that's why I don't like it, because I hear it in that voice, even if you don't say it in that yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, everybody, that's it for the show. If you have anything to say, 657-464-7609. I really would like to hear your thoughts about the different topics we talked about today. Either that or hit us up on the Facebook page or record yourself on your smartphone and email it to idoubtit.dollamore.com. If you'd like to support the show other than dedicating time listening to us, you can go to dollamore.com, the top right-hand corner, support the show. In that link, there is an Amazon search bar where you can buy a book or a collar for your giant 100-pound bag-of-shit pig. I'm sure they have those. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt it. Bill Cosby, you got a lot of nerve getting on the phone with me after what you did to my Aunt Paulette. <laughs>